Hello and welcome to the In Publishing podcast. This week, our guest is Duncan Tickell, Chief Revenue Officer at Immediate Media, publisher of some of Britain's best-known consumer magazine brands. I talked to Duncan about his return to Immediate, the company he helped to build after 18 months running his own media consultancy, about the importance of diversification in media businesses and how the pandemic has inspired innovation. What we've seen over the last period and what's been incredibly interesting has been how uh, much of a catalyst for innovation the, the pandemic has been freed and unencumbered by the normal constraints that you would have. Everyone's realised we've got to double down and try some new stuff because we're in exceptional times. And actually, we've, we've really seen some exciting growth from those direct-to-consumer revenues. We're very fortunate in the fact that we have brands that have played out well in the pandemic. So think gardening, think cooking, think entertainment. Duncan revealed what makes a good commercial strategy for a successful multi-channel media business, including building the right culture. And that was an incredibly important part of the plan was to to actually create an environment where people wanted to come into work, bring their best every day and actually just enjoy being there as well as doing great work. The importance of direct-to-consumer revenues. But increasingly now we're looking at direct-to-consumer revenues um, and how we build out uh, a whole number of different direct-to-consumer revenue streams. The value of having engaged consumers. My career journey uh, has really taught me the value of having engaged consumers and how important it is. And how webinars on making sourdough might just be the future of publishing. Webinars is one that I would call out. You know, we were incredibly surprised at the strong uptake that we've had on brands such as Gardener's World on some how-to webinars or how to cook sourdough on BBC Good Food. We would like to thank our podcast sponsor, Acorn Web Offset, the Yorkshire-based specialist A5 and A4 magazine printer. With high-speed web offset and sheet-fed printing, together with in-house saddle stitching, perfect binding and mailing services, Acorn can cope with the most demanding of production turnarounds. Acorn prides itself on its efficiency and low-cost print production. For more information, visit acornweb.co.uk. Duncan Tickell was recently appointed to the newly created role of Chief Revenue Officer at Immediate Media, publisher of some of the UK's best-known specialist consumer magazines, ranging from the Radio Times to BBC Gardener's World. In his new role, he will lead Immediate's commercial teams, as well as Imagine, Immediate's creative and content studio. Duncan, welcome to the In Publishing podcast. Good morning, Keir. Can we begin by talking about your journey in publishing to where you are now? Of course. So so um, I started, like many, without a, a defined career path. I, I left university in the early 90s in the middle of that very deep recession. Um, and like many others, sort of answered a, an ad in the back of the Guardian to do media sales, which I promptly did for Centaur for, for 18 months. And uh, I thought that was it for me and media uh, because I hadn't had the best 18 months. But actually, I moved to Dennis, which... Uh, was my first 
major move, uh, whereas uh, there for a number of years, eventually rising up to, to the board. So I started out in sales, moved into publishing and ended up um, launching a, an early video games portal. Um, and actually th that, that part of my journey was, was, was very important because it proved to me that culture was such an important part of working. It's not just about what you do, it's actually the environment that you do it in. And Dennis in those days was an incredibly entrepreneurial uh, and exciting place to be. Um, I then uh, moved from Dennis to VNU where I headed up their consumer portfolio. Uh, and in, a, in sort of uh, the late 2000s, an opportunity came to join a small private equity-backed digital business called Magicalia. Um, and I seized that because of the entrepreneurial opportunity. Um, and uh, the rest, of they say, is, is, is history. So we worked in that small business on the basis that if we made a success of it, we might get a bigger opportunity. And that's exactly how it played out. So um, we were fortunate enough that our owners exponent acquired BBC magazines with a vision to transform that business. Um, and so between uh, the, or since formation in 2011, uh, we created uh, Immediate. We then uh, effectively doubled the business just a little bit more than actually over uh, the ensuing period. Uh, we doubled the number of staff. We doubled the turnover. We doubled the revenue. Uh, an amazing journey, only possible through the support of, you know, some, some owners who recognised the requirement to invest. Um, and we had a very clear plan at Immediate, which was to uh, transform what was a very traditional print media business into a, into a multi-channel one. Um, that, um, as I say, was very successful. We also proved that we could have a great relationship uh, as a licensee of the BBC. Uh, which led to our successful uh, ownership transition to Birda. Uh, and uh, again, they've been incredibly supportive owners. So, so Immediate have now been owned by, by Birda for, uh, for a number of years now, about, about four years. Um, I spent the first two after uh, Birda acquired, which still within the business, uh, and then left to set up my own consultancy, which I did for uh, 18 months. Uh, which was a really great um, uh, sort of additional experience, actually. So it was really good just to get out of uh, a, an environment you've been in for a long time and be exposed to some new businesses. Uh, and I worked with a, a number of very diverse uh, media businesses, in fact, even some not-for-profits. Um, really good to be exposed to some different business models. And then I was approached again by media in the middle of the summer to, to lead a, on a consultancy basis, a direct-to-consumer offer. Um, which I did for a short period, but it became very, very clear after a period of being back in the business that that actually it's, it's a great business. I really enjoyed working there. I understood the business. Uh, and that was when I was asked to come and, and take on this new role of Chief Revenue Officer. And um, I think, sorry, sorry, I was just going to say, I think you say somewhere uh, on one of your profiles, you don't know what, what you've got till it's gone. That's right, yeah. So, I mean, it's a fantastic business. And, and, and that, you know, there were some pillars around what we 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 aim to build when we established immediate uh, you know i've mentioned the diversification of the business i've mentioned uh, uh transforming that business but it was also about building a culture uh, 
Uh, and that was inc an incredibly important part of the plan was to, to actually create an environment where people wanted to come into work, do their, bring their best every day and actually just enjoy being there as well as doing great work. Uh, and that, that's why I say when, when going back and actually spending some time within the business, even in these strange times, it felt very much like a, a you know, a culture and an organisation that I was very much at one with. Uh, and so, you know, when, when, when approached to take on this role, um, it actually was a, it was a surprisingly easy decision. So this new role of Chief Revenue Officer is a, new, a newly created role. Can you tell us more about what it entails and what your main responsibilities are? Sure. So, so, so it's a, it's a, you know, it's a, a board uh, or a leadership team level role uh, with responsibility predominantly for the non, uh, non-circulation revenues. Uh, so in that comes uh, advertising, some of the direct consumer offer revenues. Um, it's, it, it also has a, a, a strategic responsibility for for, for maximising uh, the uh, monetization and commercialization of our digital properties. So really thinking about and being disciplined about maximising the return we get from that, uh, from, from those properties, um, alongside obviously our traditional channels as well. And so what are the key strands of Immediate's revenue strategy? Well, I think, uh, you know, clearly, uh, and they're not within my remit, newsstand and subscriptions remain incredibly important. Uh, subscriptions ever more so since the start of the pandemic. So we've seen really strong growth in subscriptions and, and that continues to, 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 to play through now. Um, but, but actually increasingly, as, as the revenue mix now tips towards uh, digital, we are looking at uh, really diversifying our digital businesses and accelerating our digital growth. So, you know, part of that is the traditional ad funded model. But increasingly now we're looking at direct to consumer revenues um, and how we build out uh, a whole number of different direct to consumer revenue streams. Uh, and that's really starting to gain some traction now and is, is the strategic priority for the company, but also um, is, is su substantially um, sort of diversifying our digital revenue streams and making that path of business uh, much more resilient. And, and can you expand more on, on what that direct to consumer means? Sure. I mean, th again, there are there are many strands there. So, but it, it you know at its very highest level, it's it's transacting directly with consumers, uh, and to um, f use leverage the relationships that you have, uh, and the um, deep consumer relationships that you have uh, to unlock transactions directly with consumers or interactions directly with consumers. So, you know, for a very long time, as I mentioned. Um, Digital advertising was the key growth engine of our digital business and is still growing at a, at a good pace. Even this year, uh, we've seen healthy growth in, in, in digital advertising. But, but those new streams that are coming on board um, are things such as uh, we have we've seen strong, very strong growth in affiliate revenues, i.e. writing bespoke content around purchasing products and facilitating consumer transactions with retailers. Uh, we've recently launched a, a, a deals business, which is where we present consumers with great offers um, and introduce them to the retailers to 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 transact those. 
Um, it's also now increasingly things like webinars and um, virtual events. So, you know, I think what, what we've seen over the last period and what's been incredibly interesting has been how uh, much of a catalyst for innovation the, the pandemic has been. So, you know, freed and unencumbered by by the normal constraints that you would have um, as a running a digital business, everyone's realised we've got to double down and try some new stuff because we're in exceptional times. And actually, we've, we've really seen some exciting growth from those direct-to-consumer revenues over that period. Uh, you know, we're very fortunate in the fact that we have brands that have played out well in the pandemic. So, um, you know, think gardening, think cooking, um, think entertainment, things that people have been doing at home. And so we've seen incredibly strong growth across our digital properties, both from an audience perspective. But, but as I say, finding new ways to to provide value to those consumers. And so. Uh, you know, the, the webinars is one that I, uh, I would call out. You know, we we were incredibly surprised at the at the strong uptake that we've had uh, on brands such as Gardener's World on some how-to webinars or how to cook sourdough on BBC Good Food. So, really, really surprising and strong growth in those areas, and it's a real win-win because it means we you know we're, we're increasing our commercial footprint, um, but all equally we're providing real value to our consumers. Uh, in return. And you mentioned how important subscriptions are. I know that's not your side of the business, but is there any friction between those growing subscription bases and um, your role of increasing commercial revenues? Uh, I, I, I personally say the absolute opposite um, in the sense that um, I think my career journey uh, has really taught me the value of having engaged consumers and how important it is so you know i think it, it, it's not unhelpful in a commercial role now having been a publisher and I've, having had editorial stewardship as well to be able to get that balance right uh, and i think that um having that understanding of the importance of the relationship that you have with the consumer um actually allows you to be much more sensitive in the way that you try to commercialize those consumers and you know when we speak to our commercial partners by far and away the by far and away the most valuable segments of our audience are people with the deepest relationships the people that we have the deepest relationships with and subscribers are are at the absolute peak of that and so uh, they're an incredibly valuable audience to commercialize but equally you have to ensure that their experience of 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 consuming your brand is a good one well um coming on to digital advertising um which as you say uh, was the bread and butter um one of the challenges for publishers has been the growth of programmatic trading of advertising and, and consequently publisher yields have been hit what can publishers do about that well, it's interesting you say that, Kieran. I'd say that that was the experience in the early days. It's certainly not the experience now. Um, and we are in a fortunate position um, in that we have brands that have scale. But by investing in our programmatic capabilities, by investing in our first-party data, by being able to present 
highly targeted audiences to, to, to advertisers. Even through programmatic exchanges, we've started to see significant increases in yield. So uh, pre-pandemic, yields had actually returned for standard inventory to, to uh, the levels that we'd seen direct display being sold at. Uh, many years ago, uh, there was certainly a dip through the pandemic as as the market took a bit of a shot, but they're now back, returning back to where they were. So I think that you know if you have the right programmatic setup, you present the right uh, the, your, your audiences in the right way to advertisers. Programmatic actually doesn't have to be um, uh, you know an inhibitor to to being able to command. Uh, good prices and and what about ad blockers are they still posing a challenge not really i mean we 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 saw a very rapid increase for a period a number of years back that leveled off and actually has even started to de- decline again now so it's not it, it's never become the, the existential threat that we we thought it could be um i mean i think it is um it is it's still an issue but it's it's not a material one that has held back our digital business in any way so so do you think that consumers have just become a lot more comfortable with um the way in which they're being targeted um online i, I think that's right uh, well i think i think that consumers have got used to the fact that there is advertising there's still a small cohort who will block and it's very very difficult but they're not large enough to to start to have to re-engineer your digital business to, to, to work around them, uh, which is something that we did try for a, for a short while. It was a game of cat and mouse, and really it was a zero-sum game, but but it, and it's leveled right off now. Uh, I think it's also down to, to, to all publishers to uh, do their level best to ensure their user experiences are good. Um, and we all know there are certain sets of websites that we may visit where the user experience is terrible, uh, and that that that's really disappointing because it it is what it is those small number of very bad user experiences that that, that typically uh, force people to turn on ad blockers. I mean, yeah. I, I I do a, a, a one of one of the things that I do in my spare time is to. Uh, go out and speak to schools occasionally as part of the Pest, Robert Peston Speakers for Schools programme. And it's really interesting when you go into schools, It's if you ask kids why they're turning on ad blockers, because it is younger people typically, uh, they will cite those, those, those small number of sites where the user experience is terrible, there's lots of lots of interruptions, maybe autoplay videos. And so, you know, I think, I think as publishers, we need to take that on board and make sure that we get the balance right between and the value exchange right between providing great content, solving for the, the problems that the user has come to you uh, to find answers to uh, in a frictionless way, and getting the balance right between the ability to commercialize that as well if you're providing that content for free. And and <clears throat> I mean, can you dig a bit deeper with that? What what does a positive user experience look like? And from the commercial point of view. How do you strengthen those relationships with your consumers? I, I come back to what I said a few moments ago, I think, which is, which is, are you solving, you know, many, many consumers are coming to you for a specific reason, be that by search or be that through a direct relationship that you have with, with, with them. And are they coming to for a recipe? Are they coming to find out what's on TV tonight? Are they coming to find out 
how to prune a shrub in a certain way. Um, and I think as long as you stay true to your part of the promise, which is to deliver uh, on, on deliver the content they're looking for in a frictionless manner, then it's fine to have some commercial messages around that. And indeed, very often is 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 incredibly valuable. So, you know, you mentioned right at the top of this 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 um, interview here the, the the Imagine Content Studio. You know, that's been a real success story for us in recent years. Um, can, that, can you tell us a bit more about that? Yes, exactly, how, yeah, yeah. how's that working? So that 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 is where we are creating bespoke content on behalf of clients using our in-house editorial expertise. We understand the consumers and the markets better than um, certainly the the most brands. Uh, we have a deep relationship with them, and we're able to create content that is both commercial, i.e., fulfilling a commercial objective. Uh, but done in a way that the consumer uh, trusts and the levels of engagement and high levels of response we get to that kind of highly integrated commercial program um, speaks volumes to how getting, if you get the balance right, you can create a real win-win in terms of the consumer and commercial partners. Can you think of any specific examples of where that's worked well with with one or two of your brands? So, uh, well, we 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 do. It, uh, I can think of many. Uh, one that I would call out over the last twelve months could be a, a major partnership we've done that's promoted across our entire portfolio with with Winalot, um, where we've created a, 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 a standalone brand called Great British Dogs, uh, and that's promoted throughout our audience the uptake has been great on that they the uh consumer engagement with being able to share pictures of dogs and stories of dogs um has uh, led to them renewing the partnership uh for a further 12 months and it's been a real win-win because it's given our, our consumers and readers a platform to share the things that they love particularly during these gloomy times uh but at the same time has really delivered for the commercial partner um, we have many examples in, uh, in in other spaces. So uh, we do a lot of these kind of this this kind of activity in the food space. Um, in fact, we've got a great one just 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 launched this week with with Neff, uh, which you can see some great recipes cooked in in fantastic kits, um, and just that that level of integration really creates a halo effect both for the brand. Um, who are working with you, but for, for us as well, because it allows us to create content that we wouldn't otherwise be able to to provide our consumers with. So it's a real win-win. You mentioned um, the effect of the pandemic, which is difficult to avoid, uh, and and yet you say that actually um, you have managed to ride that reasonably well, partly from from you know the the good fortune of having brands that are in the right space um what what long term impact do you think covid will have on immediate um so i think the the, the first is clearly uh, it has been relatively clear to see and it's not just immediate it's across all magazine publishers which is those brands that were more marginal have been placed under even greater pressure uh, and I'm thinking about particularly smaller print titles, uh, you know, clearly when in the first lockdown, when some of the retail outlets were not were not open, 
brands that were 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 were, were, were relatively marginal uh, have have suffered, and we have undoubtedly seen a shift in consumer behaviour in terms of uh, print into digital channels to a degree. And and actually, what we're seeing on some of our bigger websites is some of those habits are sticking. Uh, right. We've seen a, a we've seen a which is which 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 you know augurs well for the long term. But we've also seen a shift to to a much higher percentage of subscribers across some of our brands when they wanted to receive that content on a regular basis, and there was uncertainty about the the retail channel. Um, and as I mentioned earlier, I think the, the the last thing that we've seen, which has been really positive, has been the 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 um, the level of innovation so you know as they as they say that that that, that cheesy phrase that uh, necessity is the mother of all invention and that's certainly been true in in our experience through this time and and those muscles that we've developed and those new initiatives that we've launched you know they they will stay and i think it's fostered a new culture of entrepreneurialism not just at immediate but across the sector you've seen some people do some really interesting things uh in terms of uh, navigating through some very very difficult times and and you mentioned webinars i mean those those have been a, a great thing during the pandemic haven't they do you, do you think, think that those will continue to be an important thing for you going forwards absolutely i mean we've 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 had great success as i mentioned we've we've sold best part of 10,000 tickets since we started those those programs uh, we developed a, a six-figure revenue stream, and actually, the feedback we've had from the consumers who've attended those webinars has been incredibly positive. And so, they will become a regular feature of, of those brands because they allow us to deliver highly, um, or, or you know, really deep content. So, a great example was a, a sourdough uh, workshop on on BBC Good Food uh, with. Um, one of the editors there showing people how to make great sourdough, which is not a trivial thing. And so, again, you come back to that point, which is, are you providing great content? If you can provide great content that consumers uh, value, they will they will be prepared to pay for it. And and sourdough was very much the uh, foodstuff of the pandemic, wasn't it? It was indeed. <laughs> yes, yes. So looking ahead and at the wider consumer magazine market, what will be the things, in your opinion, that differentiate the winners from the losers? Well, I think it's it, it comes back down to this 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 point of having a diverse way in which you can. Um, have commercial relationships with your audiences and those that will succeed are those that 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 have different ways um and a diverse range of um opportunities for um or commercial opportunities um around those relationships and so that can be newsstand still uh, albeit it'll be it'll be less important probably in the future than it is now it, it is around subscriptions uh, it is around increasingly digital and uh, as i mentioned increasingly that uh, people who can find out ways that you can uh, have direct relationships with your consumers and direct transactions with consumers and you know this has been a this has been a journey right and we've everyone's been talking about it for for a long period but actually you can see now uh within uh all the the, the, the larger magazine groups it's those who are succeeding are those who've got diverse ways um 
to unlock value from the, the relationships they have with their consumers. So, you know, other uh, others are doing great work in different areas. You know, Future really doubling down on affiliate, Hearst doubling down on brand licensing. Um, you know, I, I find it really encouraging that the that, that publishers are getting back onto the front foot across the industry, uh, as opposed to, you know, this period where it would there was a, a sense that publishers were under pressure, despite the fact that they were uh, throughout the period growing their audiences, but just in different in different channels. Um, Media is a member of the PPA, the Professional Publishers Association, and the AOP, the Association of Online Publishers. And you have worked on um, industry bodies over the years. Collectively as an industry, what should we be doing to encourage best practice? Good question. Um, I mean, I I would really simplify that, actually. Um, And I would think it, there's a really simple phrase which is i think we should be working together right um and, and that is you know if you, if you go back that uh, back 10 20 years ago publishers were fiercely independent they were fiercely competitive it it was in our dna uh but the world has moved on and and made that the, the proliferation of media in in recent years has meant that the, our competitors are no longer other publishers. There, there are other media channels, uh, and be that you know the competition for eyeballs, be that the competition for advertising, whatever it might be. Um, we are actually much more aligned than 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 than, than we were in in days gone by. And I think that by working together, clearly in a way that that that, that doesn't breach uh, any competition regulations, but working together. Uh, and coming together for the common good uh, is, is 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 what we need to do as an industry. So that be that around um, digital advertising, be that around the challenges we're facing and re- pressures from retail on the newsstand. There are so many ways in which we can share best practice, share knowledge, and work together um, to support the industry as a whole. Great answer. Um, what what excites you most about the future of publishing? I think it's this this diversity and the way it it, it it changes. I mean, you know, you never stand still, do you? And it's 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 a it's an industry that has transformed. If I think back to my to, to my early days in publishing with a little card deck and and a telephone, um, the uh, banging out calls to sell box classified ads to where we are today, we are just such a different uh, environment. Um, our brands have diversified in ways that we would never have thought possible. Um, I think that 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 is what is so exciting is the fact that we the pace of change is so fast now that you just don't know what's around the corner. But actually, what we are proving and what we have proven in recent years is that there is plenty of opportunity out there. Uh, it's just it's just more complex and harder to find so it's so and that makes it a lot more fun right because you've got more things to um or or, or much more challenges but actually much more opportunity than we ever had you know i think for example you know the the narrative that we that magazine the magazine industry allowed to develop over readership i think has been a real real shame you know we allowed 
as was as it was their media week just to publish every six months doom and gloom stories around ABCs was never talking about the growth in our digital audiences and the fact that our brand reach was bigger than ever before. And I think people are now beginning to embrace that. But actually, our, we've got so many more opportunities now, be that through uh, reach on our digital platforms, be, be that through different ways that we interact with our consumers, be that you know, we do face-to-face now, albeit not at the moment, but in, in the times when we can. Uh, we do so much more. And, and that's why it's so exciting, because it feels now that we have opportunity ahead rather than being in some declining sector uh, that, that, that it may have felt like in the past. Finally, uh, a question we ask all of our guests. Outside of work, what do you do to relax? Well, I'm not sure I'd start by saying so. It's a couple of things, but, but I'll start with the one that isn't really relaxation, which for those who know me know that I'm a very long-suffering Arsenal season ticket holder. Uh, <laughs> obviously, don't get to go to the stadium these days, and it feels like it's been a long time since we've had any success, hence it's not very relaxing. Uh, and then beyond that, I do, I do quite a lot of cycling. Uh, I, I, I'm a keen, if not the most svelte cyclist. Um, uh, so so I, I, lo- I love doing that as well. And I've got a young family and that clearly takes up an awful lot of time as well. Brilliant. Well, Duncan Tickell, thank you very much for being our guest on the In Publishing podcast. Thank you very much, Kit. It's been a pleasure. A big thank you again to Acorn Web Offset for sponsoring this podcast. If you're looking for a new magazine printer, then check out their website at acornweb.co.uk or contact Matt Carey on 07714 299 105 or by email at matthew.carry at acornweb.co.uk. Thanks, Duncan, for being our guest this week and inspiring us to go and make sourdough. You can find out more about Immediate Media at immediate.co.uk. Do subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts and check out the podcasts page at inpublishing.co.uk to catch up on previous episodes. Thank you for listening and please join me next week on the In Publishing podcast.